0: Welcome to Erotically Neurotic, a sexy book club podcast. Join us as we take a deep dive into the world of romance and erotic fiction, and have candid and hilarious conversations about sex, sexuality, and
1: hidden fantasies. Please note that each of our episodes will contain explicit content and language, and lots of spoilers, so please listen at your own discretion. Now grab your books and vibrators, and welcome to the club. Erotic. Erotic, neurotic, erotic, neurotic, erotically neurotic. <laughs> Welcome. Hi. It's Kayla. It's Amanda. We're here for episode four. Yes, of Erotically Neurotic, a sexy book club podcast.
0: <gasps> and today we're going to be discussing Happy Place by Emily Henry, mm-hmm. which has been taking the romance field by storm.
1: Yeah, is it big? Yes. I'm not on social media, so I never know.
0: I wasn't sure if that expression I just used was correct.
1: <laughs> but it is I believed big. it. <laughs> no,
0: it is big. People love Emily Henry. She's written other books. People love like Beach Read.
1: Mm-hmm. Book Lovers. Yep. People You Meet on Vacation. I When I was doing some research, they someone said it's um, there's an Emily Henry cinematic universe, kind of like the Marvel cinematic universe, but yes. apparently all of her books are supposed to overlap in some way. Like they take place in the same universe.
0: Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I'll have to do my little digging into her because I haven't done that.
1: Have you read any of her other books?
0: I've read all of her other books, actually.
1: Oh. Yeah. I've only read Beach Read, which I – no, Book Lovers, which I love.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really cute. Yeah. And then, yeah, People Meet on Vacation. I
1: I read a lot. I can't remember.
0: (laughs) Here's the question of the week.
1: How many books have you read since our last recording a week ago? Two weeks ago. Don't ask me that question. I
0: have been reading the Zodiac Academy series Mm -hmm. in case any of you have heard of it. There's nine books. I think they're finishing with the 10th although technically they said like they're ending with nine and it's like book eight and a half was just written so really there's been Mm. nine physical books Mm -hmm. and it is torturous let me tell you. (laughs) I mean I'm obsessed but also it's it's getting so dark and there's like there's nothing positive keeping me in it. So it's it's getting a little bit harder to read now that I'm getting yeah. far along. But I you know me, I I like have a very hard time quitting something.
1: Right. You'll start when if you start a series, you have yeah. to finish it, even if you hate read it yeah. to the end.
0: Versus you, you're like, I'm not into it. Bye.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll However, you usually
0: pick it back up like two months later and try again.
1: Yeah, like that's where I'm at with Glow, the fourth guild book. Yes. Good God, it's taking me forever. I'll, I'll read like five pages at a time. Like, yeah. Really just to get to the end, but I have no motivation. To yes, it.
0: I am forcing Amanda to finish it because the ending, you have to get there. Yeah, yeah. Even though the next book isn't out yet, it doesn't matter. You have to get there so you can start fantasizing about the next book.
1: Mm-hmm. So tell me your rose and thorn. Okay, so my rose, um, I just got back from a trip back east to visit my family, which was really wonderful. We did a surprise party for my dad's 75th, so that was really fun. He was totally surprised, and because I live closer to the West Coast, he absolutely did not expect me to be there, so I think that was really cool. That's really special. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, My thorn is, I read Fourth Wing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I loved it. Yep. I read it in like two days. And now I have to wait until fucking November for the next book. Brutal. Horrible. Brutal. I wish you never recommended I it. I know. I Didn't I say? Yeah. I think last week that was my rose and my thorn. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> was
0: it really? Exactly. So I was right like, on. I read it and I fucking read it. And now what am I going to do? Holy
1: shit. Was that your rose and that thorn? That was literally one? my
0: rose and thorn. Oh and God. the night that I finished it, I was so distraught that I was like, I need something immediately because what am I, I going to do with myself? And that's yeah. when I started the Zodiac Academy. Because I, I can't... I tried to watch shows and I was like, I can't. My mind is just back yeah. on fourth wing. I got to do something.
1: Wait, now I feel bad that my thorn is the same as your rose and thorn from last week. Mostly I feel bad that I clearly wasn't listening when you told me that. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't remember that really, <laughs> really important detail about my life. I promise I listened to you 75%. Of the time. <laughs>
0: just that that extra 25% is not while well we podcast. Good fast math. I wasn't sure if it was 15 or 25, so I was really trying to think fast. <laughs> um okay what's your rose and thorn okay my rose is that I ran six miles this week holy shit and you know I'm not a runner uh I'm definitely not a runner but I did two runs three miles each fantastic and for me that's a big deal
1: that's a really big deal so I felt proud of myself like really trying absolutely to not be a runner but to get yourself out twice in one week yeah
0: exactly one of which obviously was with you because otherwise I wouldn't have (laughs) my thorn is when you were gone that was a sad yeah. moment for me. <laughs> no,
1: that was hard for all of us.
0: <laughs> no, I haven't had any too big of a thorn. Um, my husband took the week off work last week, so it was actually really nice getting to be the three of us,
1: mm-hmm. getting
0: some things done, so I don't have too many complaints.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But if you know me for for long, I have plenty of complaints. I'm so. sure there were
1: yeah. <laughs> hundreds of complaints along the way. Exactly, just nothing to discuss. Upon reflection. Upon reflection, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, should we get started? Let's do it. Okay, so today I am doing the synopsis. You are doing the questions. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to be honest. I actually had a hard time at first writing the synopsis because the story is told in non in a non-chronological order. Um, and I know we typically do a pretty detailed synopsis, but there were so many memories, Um, not to mention so many secondary characters. One thing I really like about Emily Henry is that she really breathes life into not just the primary characters, not just the protagonists, but um, kind of anyone in the world. So we're really, I'm really only going to focus on the two leads, Harriet and Wynne, but honestly, that's like 50% of the story. There's so much more to this book, um, but it would take us forever to read it. Yeah. So, or rather to review it. Um, Okay. So Happy Place follows a group of best friends from college as they take their annual trip to a small beach town in Maine. Which is essentially the same trip they've been taking since their freshman year in college. Um, so now they're in their early 30s. The group tries to relive the nostalgia of their early carefree years of their friendship while also navigating the complexities of adult life and the changes that come that happen in relationships with age. So as I said before, this story is told in non-chronological order from the point of view of our protagonist, Harriet, um, often switching between the past, which she calls her happy place, and the present day, which she calls real life, and at times her dark place. When we talk about the past, this is typically college years through the beginning of post-grad life. The chapters of her happy place follow Harriet's blossoming friendships with her freshman year roommates, Sabrina and Cleo, and then later this includes their mutual friend. Parth. Um, And the early stages of her whirlwind romance with the other protagonist, Wynne. Wynne joins the friend group during, I believe, Harriet's junior year abroad in London. And when she comes home, they meet and it is instantly apparent that they have insane chemistry. It's only a matter of time before they act on their mutual attraction, which happens for the first time at the main cottage, which is very fitting um, and makes the place all the more special for them. So after a very sexy hookup in the basement of the cottage or the wine cellar of the cottage, Harriet and Wynne begin dating in secret and eventually admit to their friends that they're a couple. They eventually get engaged. Wynne follows Harriet to San Francisco for her neurosurgery residency. And though he eventually needs to move back to Montana to caretake his mother who was ill, they seem to make the long distance work. Again, these are her happy place memories. So the chapters labeled as real world paint a very different picture. In the present day, it's revealed that unbeknownst to the rest of the group, Harriet and Wynne broke up five months prior, which Harriet was planning on revealing to her friends once she arrives at the cottage, since Wynne agreed not to attend this year. However, much to her surprise, uh, her friends reveal that when she got to the house that they had convinced Wynne to fly out for the trip. Also, her friends Sabrina and Parth, who had gotten together years earlier, drop three major bombs on the entire group. One, this will be their last weekend at the main house. Two, they are engaged, which is actually like a huge shocker because Sabrina has always been very anti-marriage. And three, they want to have a wedding ceremony with the group during this last weekend in the house. So these major announcements make both Harriet and Wynne feel reluctant to reveal their breakup so they don't kill the happy vibe of the last summer together in Maine. So they decide to white knuckle through the week and pretend to be together. This proves to be more challenging than Harriet had anticipated for a variety of reasons. For one, they're forced to share a room with one bed and a doorless bathroom, which is different from the room with twin beds to which they typically got assigned. Secondly, Wynn, who is the one who broke up with Harriet, seemed super great and totally unaffected by the breakup. Side note, kind of an important thing to know about Harriet is that um, part of her character makeup is that she is excruciatingly non-confrontational. So she grew up with parents who clearly resented one another, um, but never fought. So healthy arguing was never modeled for her. Instead, she avoids confrontation and ever being a burden to others. Um, There's even a quote at one point where she says, I've never known what to do with pain when all I ever do is hide from it. Mm. Um, So therefore, instead of confronting Wynne about the breakup, which occurred abruptly over a four minute phone call with no further explanation after years of like bliss. Don't even get me started on that. (sighs) It's very much um, uh, getting broken up with over a sticky note from Sex and the City. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. Very much on par with that. Although Berger sucked. So he's no Win. Uh, she keeps her heartbreak to herself and engages in more pra- passive-aggressive approaches throughout the weekend, namely being really handsy and physical with him in front of their friends, basically to torture him. He does the same, and eventually they find themselves in several very sexy will-they-won't-they they positions. I loved, loved, loved the buildup between these two. I think Emily Henry did a really fabulous job of kind of drawing it out, making it a slow burn without belaboring the point. I agree. Yeah, I thought that was done really, really yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so eventually, they do give in to the sexual tension to various degrees, but each time one of them pulls away. These scenes reveal over time that Wynn isn't as unaffected as he acted at the start of the weekend and is actually just as heartbroken as Harriet. Having said that, he does continue to argue that breaking up was best for both of them, but is reluctant to really share why. Um, so, after several more sexually charged interactions, which each and every one of them were pretty excellent. Um, as well as other drama that goes down with the friend group, Harriet and Wynne hash out exactly what happened. So through flashbacks and present day discussions, it's revealed that Wynne was really not happy in San Francisco. Um, He had a hard time finding work, kind of finding a sense of purpose, but due to his own insecurities um, about not being as smart or accomplished as Harriet, he really never said anything. So this negative belief that he holds about himself, that he's not good enough, um, was planted in him long ago before his relationship with Harriet, but it certainly got more intense during this time as he felt pretty aimless, while she appeared to be so passionate and so driven in her med program. Um, So just while he kind of white knuckled through it and got increasingly more miserable, um, his depression was then exacerbated by the sudden death of his father, whom he was incredibly close so as harriet watched him retreat deeper and deeper into his sadness she responded in the only way she knew how which was to be as little of a burden as possible and keep emotional distance as to not add to his suffering so for example when win would ask about their wedding plans um, harriet would routinely push off those discussions saying we can talk about it later or like oh babe don't worry about it it's fine um, not wanting to put more on his plate so while harriet meant well Wynne read this as Harriet not wanting to get married and maybe falling out of love with him again because of this belief that he's not good enough and now she finally sees it. So there's a quote from the book that I, I thought kind of like summed that up really nicely which was, what was I supposed to think Harriet? When I'd, ha- when I'd have to cancel a visit you didn't care. When I missed a phone call you didn't care. You were never mad at me. You never fought with me. It felt like you didn't even miss me. So that's like a big theme in the dynamic of their relationship during the happy place memories. It's like, they never fought. Everything was always so good. They always were on the same page. But then upon reflection, it's pretty apparent that not fighting, not having a disagreement, not pushing back actually registered as like disinterest, not caring. So I thought that was like a really interesting take on that. I agree. I think, I really think
0: Emily Henry did a really amazing job setting up, the psyches of these two characters Mm -hmm. and their childhood, then their childhood beliefs about themselves, how that continued throughout their life into adulthood and into their relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. Like, I really, really thought she did an amazing job with that.
1: Yeah. Do you relate to
0: one over the other? Definitely not Harriet because I love confrontation. (laughs) 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 That's never a
1: problem. So... (laughs) Not Harriet. That's so Sabrina of I mean. you. Yep. But
0: not really Win either because he didn't say anything about it.
1: You're like, because I think I'm great. I know, exactly.
0: If it was anything, it'd be Wynne. But the fact that Wynne didn't ever say anything to her, yeah. that's not me either. Because again, mm-hmm. I'd be like, what the fuck? Why are you talking about our wedding? Like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. And neither of them did that. So I really didn't relate to either of them, but I mm-hmm. thought her character set up, and their love, all of it, and then their their disconnect and their miscommunication all made a lot of sense based on their background.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that they can have two completely different backgrounds but yes. come to the same place of avoiding confrontation. Exactly. One because you don't want to be a burden, and the other because they think they're not even worthy of Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Did you feel like you related to one of them? I can for sure relate to Harriet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely – it's not that my parents didn't um, – low-key resent one another but they hid arguing from us it would always be taken to another room and we weren't allowed to argue with them they they were pretty strict around that so I really never learned how to fight properly so it's taken a while it's taken a lot of practice to know how to bring up an issue have like a an effective confrontation with a partner with a friend yeah um, without immediately being racked with guilt and shame so Harriet's my girl. So after a few more, I love you, but I can't, they both realize that they are meant to be together and reunite at the end of the book. It's really epic and really sweet. I love that scene. Um, additionally, Harriet finally admits to herself and Wynne that she doesn't actually want to be a doctor, a career that she stuck with really only to make her parents proud, again, not to be a burden. And she decides to move to Montana with Wynne, who at this point has a very successful carpentry business, uh, and pursue her own love of pottery throwing while she figures herself out. Oh, my God. It's kind of like Sweet Home Alabama now that I'm thinking it, about is. it. <laughs> like, she has no idea he's made something of himself totally. back in his small town. <laughs> it's oh, so Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, my God, it is. Uh, so the last thing I have here is, personally, I would love to know where one can live such a life in this economy while paying off hundreds of dollars, hundreds <laughs> of thousands of dollars in student loan debt. Um, but that question is better suited for a different podcast. Yeah, fuck that question. <laughs> Strike it from the record. It's just that the, I read this as it was like announced that um student loan isn't For, gonna is going to be paid. Yeah, so I'm just like, fuck you, fuck your pottery.
0: <laughs> you got to pay like the rest of us. Go back and live a miserable life as a neurosurgeon
1: and just do it, okay? <laughs> because I have to pay ten grand in student loans. You have to be a neurosurgeon. No one think about that question. that's terrible. <laughs> So that is, like I said, 50% of Happy Place.
0: Yes, there's so much more. The yeah. friend group, they she does a really great job of describing each character within the friend group, and you really mm-hmm. feel a connection to them and their partners, and I loved that.
1: Yeah, and their, their lives didn't feel, even though there wasn't as much to their storylines, their lives didn't feel secondary or half-assed. Like, they were just... Each really interesting, complex characters that yeah. I adored. Agreed. My mm-hmm. first question
0: actually was to say that I felt, you know, envious of this friend group and like I wanted to be a part of it. Have did you have that feeling at all? And have you ever had a friend group like that where you felt complete in a seamless connection and traveled together?
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel really fortunate. Actually, as I was reading this book, I texted my group of friends from college and I was like, this reminds me of us. We have to, you have to read it. Um, I feel really fortunate. I had a very, I have a very close tight knit group of friends from college. I will say, you know, in this book, they kind of depict like going into their thirties. It's not that the friendships are ending, but they're changing, right? People are starting to plant roots in different cities and really, you know, it's, it's, they want to they wanna reconnect with the, like their, that nostalgia, the excitement of going to the same bar, doing the same things, but then kind of being like, oh, uh, but I kind of want to go to bed. Like, let's yep. kind of wrap this up early. Whereas I do feel like my friend group, we were really tight in college, separated in our like mid-20s. And then actually during COVID, we've reconnected. So I'm kind of having the opposite experience of reconnecting on a really deep level with everyone with the new roots planted, with the new families, with the new yeah. new lives, and kind of creating new trips and new experiences and new bonds.
0: Actually, I'm having a vision now of <laughs> Sabrina, who it's her house in the book. She's kind of like the pushy one, and mm-hmm. but we love her. And she at one point tries to have everyone get tattoos, which I say no to, and it's making me think of you because I'm looking at your new tattoo from your last friend group trips I think you should tell everyone about it
1: so I don't know we call our little um group chat our oddly enough sexy book and sexy book and pasta club um I could not tell you who came up with that name I mean during COVID like we would text for hours and hours and hours and hours each day so I honestly it could have been one joke that someone made one time and then we changed and no one's changed it back So we all went to Miami a few months ago, and we were trying to think of a group tattoo to get together. We decided, all right, let's do a pasta. What's the sexiest pasta one can get? And obviously, it's a bow tie pasta. Obviously. So we all got little bow tie pasta tattoos on our inner arms.
0: And I was really proud of myself because Amanda sent me a photo, (laughs) and I immediately knew what it was. And I even said (laughs) the right name. Isn't it Farfalla?
1: Farfalla. I don't even, I don't know the right name. Farfalla. (laughs) Farfalla. It's a fucking bow tie. Exactly. You don't need to be fancy. I don't speak Italian. <laughs> <laughs> it's bow tie. I like, need to know how it's pronounced. Farfalle? Oh, farfalle.
0: That's it. Farfalle. Farfalle. Yeah. And I said, oh my God, is that a farfalle on your inner elbow? <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I am a pasta lover too. I feel like I should be in your friend group from college because yeah. I am
1: a sexy book and pasta lover. You are. You. I mean, you fit right in. I fit right in. But it was cute because in the book, I know Sabrina. All Sabrina wants to do is get this tattoo, and I yeah. was like,
0: "Oh no, we did that." Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. are not thought like these other, not like nerds. these losers that said no.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we did the impulsive tattoo in Little Havana. So tell me, out of this friend group, who
0: do you most relate to, and why? That's a good question. So um, I have my answer for you so that's why I'm interested to know what you think. Oh,
1: okay, should I go first? Yeah, no, you, know? you go okay. first and I'll tell you if it was correct. <laughs> okay. According to me. So <laughs> I feel a connection to three characters. Two of them come as a pair. So Cleo and Missy, um what I really feel like I connect with them over is I feel like half the book they just it was Cleo talking about how much she wanted to go to bed. <laughs> I just feel like I get that. Yeah. Like even when I was hanging out with my college friends, it would be like 8 30 and I'm like, all right. <laughs> like so are we'll we? This is my time <laughs> <laughs> And I had to like I kind of thought everyone would be like, Yeah, me too. We're gonna go to bed. They'd be like, okay, see ya. And then my FOMO would overtake me, so I'm like, no, I'll wait. So it'd be like nine, nine thirty. I'm like, man, we are we are pushing it. Up. <laughs> We are raging. I mean, Cleo and missy you work on a farm, so they get up at like four. Yep. I don't have that excuse, but I do love going to bed. But like I said earlier, uh Harriet, I really, really bonded with Harriet because I am so conflict avoidant. Yeah. I live my life trying to avoid upsetting people, saying the wrong thing. You know, it's it's I shouldn't say I lived my life. I lived a big part of my life doing that. Um And also just kind of being the peacekeeper. That was my role in my family. That continues to be my role in my family. So I really, um, I I got Harriet a lot.
0: Yeah. I thought of Cleo for you. Just surface level. I was like, Amanda's dream is to live on a farm (laughs) and be with animals. So it made me think of you. Yeah. I I accept that comparison. Uh, And also with the going to bed. Also. I thought Cleo was really good at holding her boundaries. And I think you're really good at keeping your boundaries and saying no when you need to. Thank you. That's a newer thing that I've been working on. Yeah, at. I think yeah. you're good at advocating for what you need. And Cleo was definitely the biggest example of that versus yeah. Harriet, who is a total people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that from you. Yeah. I, I, yes, I see it in you, but I think you've overcome a lot of that. I just in my
1: mind, I just thought the stupidest fucking nerdy thing. I was just thinking like I'm a Cleo in the streets. No, I'm a Cleo in the sheets and a Harriet on the streets. Because <laughs> again, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> no, so that means yes. I'm a Cleo you did in say the it right. Sheets <laughs> and I'm a on the okay, who do you relate to? I think Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> that is so spot on. That is so spot on. Tell me why you relate to Sabrina. I mean, she's just a Type A little leader. <laughs> uh, sure
0: is. <laughs> She has the house. She has a written out <laughs> plan on everyone's <laughs> nightstand. She has everything set to the timing that she wants. she It's really important to her that this is like such a big celebration, that it's really memorable. She has certain things planned for different people. And I just feel like I really relate to, even if I can't execute it like Sabrina actually did, mm-hmm. that's how my mind works and yeah. wants
1: to be. Yeah.
0: Sabrina? Does that make
1: sense? Oh, for sure. Sabrina, like, I
0: actually think I used to be more type A than I
1: am now, mm-hmm. but those tendencies run deep. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I see that in you in you. I also see um the lack of boundaries.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, so you mean I just complimented you on your boundaries? And now you're saying I have not. Wait, do you remember that time? It was like the maybe within like the first couple months that you and I met, but we fell in love so quickly that we already <laughs> were best friends. And we were like, oh, let's look up our ass astrological sign yeah yeah yeah. But yeah and you're an Aries and I'm a Libra and the description of like the Libra was like the, no it was like Aries and Libras are like great friends because the Libra is the peacekeeper and the Aries has no social boundaries <laughs> nothing is more true <laughs> nothing is more true the perfect
0: description of us my favorite yeah. thing <laughs> at my old job you know once this be once like consent became like a real thing we all had to talk about I can't say that we'll take this out. <laughs> but just to tell you, once that became a thing that you <laughs> had to talk about, I would say... <laughs> I would say... I would say, do I have everyone's consent? And then I would like, start talking. I'm <laughs> Everyone's
1: like, that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> oh my god, we're actually keeping that in because that's a really fucking pretty. They're like, we can't get consent... <laughs> To walk off to something we don't know what you're gonna see. And I was like, I'm just trying to cover my bases. <laughs> Let the record show. I asked everyone for their consent. I'm sure I wasn't even talking about anything that big of a deal, but
0: you know, it was like the new buzzword <laughs> consent.
1: Oh my god, um, so your lack of boundaries. <laughs> Good oh, all, Sabrina. Very, very much a Sabrina. <laughs>
0: Okay, moving on. Oh, Christ. Okay, so a lot of Harriet's journey is deciding whether she's going to let go of this dream that no longer excites her despite all of the time and energy that she's invested into this. Of course, also a lot of money she's invested into this. Yeah. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've had to make a decision like this? And if so, did you make the same choice Harriet did or did you decide to see it through?
1: Um, no, for sure. I think... When I moved from the East coast, you know, for, from the outside, it looked like I had like a pretty solid situation going on. I had a great job at a private practice that was getting bigger and bigger more and more successful. I had a lot of room to, I mean, there were two owners and then me and my colleagues. So like so much room for growth and to move up. I was living by myself for the first time, which I love. I had the cutest little mini Cooper, which was adorable. Um, I had a great group of girlfriends And it just hit me how unhappy I was in that. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it, it really, what else could I have asked for? Right. I kind of had all of the things, but then I came out here to visit once and then I came out again six months later. And it just, I just knew like deep in my bones, like I need to move. I need to leave all that. And I need to set up shop in this new place. Um, and it was hard. It was like really hard. You know, I I, I actually lost a lot of friendships um, doing that. Um, I think it, it definitely fragmented some connections with people who felt betrayed by me moving. And, you know, a lot of people didn't want me to do it, but it just... I just kind of knew, like, if I stay here, I'm going to drown. I need to yeah, set up shop somewhere new. No, just intuitively it felt right. Yes. And look, I mean, it brought uh-huh. you your husband. Yeah, I mean, it was, the, it was the best move I could yeah. have made. And I did it, you know, literally a year before COVID hit. So I had, like, just enough time to kind of set up a relationship, set up my work, you know, kind of get. And then COVID happened. So if if that I had stayed. so
0: crazy to think about that timing. Like, yeah, time has completely morphed for me, so I couldn't tell you what year it is now, you know? And I'm like,
1: that was just a year before. Mm -hmm. That was 2019? No. That was 2019? Yeah. What? Yeah. I moved February 14th, 2019. That's wild. I know. How about you?
0: You know, I don't think so. I mean, this isn't, I guess, kind of similarly... I moved out here for an internship, but I had a boyfriend and a job waiting back for me in Miami where I'd gone to school. Mm. But I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going back. This is where I want to be. But it didn't feel like I was letting go of a dream Mm -hmm. or all this time and energy because, you know, I got a job out here and that's where I wanted to be. But it is interesting thinking about kind of this whole other life that you have set up and just choosing to let that go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean,
1: for Harriet, she literally worked her entire life yeah to become a neurosurgeon. I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine committing so many years, so much time to one path. Yep. To then realize I don't want to I don't want to be here. Yeah. I, this isn't for me. There's no longevity here. There's no fulfillment here. I mean, I have friends now who were deep in their careers and have decided I'm going to go I want to go back to med school. And they have to take undergrad classes. and I mean, I think it's remarkable when people go really far down a career and then have the strength to say, like, no, I'm going to try something else. I think that's what's crazy. The older that
0: I get, the more I realize that adulthood is constant reinvention of yourself. Mm. I I don't think it's so crazy or super uncommon to start your career with one thing. Mm-hmm. And 20 years later, that's just not what serves you anymore. I mean, yeah. you're not the same person you were 20 years ago, so it doesn't mean that you're going to want the same job or the same career path. And burnout is a real thing, even if you still have a passion for totally. You know, say you still you love being a therapist, but maybe in 20 years, even you'll have a passion for the aspects of therapy, but you might not want to work as a clinical therapist anymore. Right? You just don't know. Maybe you'll fall in love with um,
1: you'll wheel be wheel throwing. Yes, yes. Maybe that's a true. Is that act. the same as axe yes. throwing? <laughs> I, I think it's called wheel throwing. That's the pottery thing. Extra, <laughs> I would get I that. Really deep into extra. No, you're
0: gonna be on a farm, you're gonna be running a farm oh, selling can't wait. organic eggs from your chickens. I will, I'm gonna, they're expensive. Yeah, too. that's how I'm gonna well, pay free, my mortgage. free for me. Yeah, yes, I'll give you some free eggs. <laughs> Thank you, like six a week. <laughs> Plenty. Plenty. I'll take seven, actually, one for each day of the week. That's all I need. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Oh, you're so little and petite, eating <laughs> one egg a day. It was really for the baby. He eats two scrambled eggs every morning, so this is really a steal for you, okay? <laughs> Bitch, I don't even need right, eggs. If it's for the baby, then I'll give you <laughs> Okay. Do you have your own happy place? Is it an actual place, an experience, a person, and has it remained the same over the years, or does
1: it change? Oh, I love that question. Do I have a happy place? Um, You know what? I mentioned a little bit earlier, the little apartment that I had back on the East Coast, that sometimes if I'm stressed or overwhelmed, I put myself back in that apartment and I just like walk around. So it was, I always wanted to live by myself, but I just never had the opportunity. I had to have, you know, I had roommates in college who I love. You know, That's like my family. And then in grad school, I lived with my sister. And then I lived with this other girl. And then I was in a relationship with someone who was pretty insecure. So I moved in with him pretty quickly because he didn't like, he didn't understand why I needed to live alone. And I just didn't have the fight in me because I was so tired from grad school at that point. I was like, fine, I'll just move in with you. So when I broke up with him, the night I broke up with him, which was like 11 p.m., I went to the couch, got on my little laptop went on Craigslist and found this apartment a few houses down from where my sister lived. And it was just an attic apartment in this cute little A-frame. It was so tiny. It had like ba- had a little bedroom, a little living room, a tiny little kitchen. And it was mine. It was for the first time ever, totally my space. I decorated it with all of my mom's old antique furniture that like no one in my family wanted. So it felt like so homey to me. And I just... I was so protective. Like my my ex at that point, I never even told him the address. Like he was like, I'll help you move. I was like, no, I don't want you in that space. Mm. I never, you know, like if I ever dated someone, it, we needed to go on a few dates before I let him in that space. Because I was just like, this is mine. Yeah. And I'm not going to let anyone negatively affect it. Oh, I and love I, that. Ugh, I loved that little space. That is my happy place. Oh, I love that. I can yeah. see it in your face. Oh, it was so cute.
0: When I read this, it actually made me think of the presentation you gave to the nonprofit a few months ago about EMDR mm. and how you led us through that little kind of visualization experience. Yeah, Safe, calm place. Yes. Your mm-hmm. safe, calm place. Because I don't like, I don't visualize things like that typically <clears throat> or ever really. And when you did that, I thought of my family's cabin in New Hampshire. And this is like the coolest lake house cabin that my grandfather literally built by hand when my mom was a kid. So super rustic, like no AC, no dishwasher, just super cool. And that's what came up for me when you were leading us through that mm. experience. So I would say if I had to choose, that would probably be my happy place. And I think it's just beautiful memories mm-hmm. being on the water. And something I realized is I don't necessarily always like to be with people, but I like knowing people are around. Yeah. So that's kind of something I think about is like kind of like lying on the dock by myself, but people are up at the house. So mm-hmm. I never am like feel like I'm alone alone, Yeah. but I still get my solitude.
1: Yeah. If that makes no, sense. No, I love, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I was just talking to my husband about this. There's, it's easy to kind of romanticize, like, oh, I'm going to go to a cabin by myself for a week. Fuck 20 no. minutes, I'm bored out of my goddamn well, I'm, mind. I'm an anxious mess <laughs> for me. I'm like, no, I can't be alone. Yeah. <laughs> but to, like, be with a group, but be able to go off on your yes, own. And exactly. Just sit in that silence
0: voluntarily. Yes. No, there's nothing like that. And know that if you need someone, they're there, or, like, yeah. hearing some
1: laughter, or hearing mm-hmm. music play in the background. I would say that's it. I think, does your family still have that? Yeah. I think when you and I first became friends, you went there and then you came back and I was like, how was your weekend? And you just looked at me and you go, I ate 13 brownies. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly so, where I was. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever your remember is amazing. Uh, well, I remember good brownies. My you grandmother, my
0: grandmother is the most amazing baker. And I just go there and stuff myself it's disgusting
1: (laughs) so I can understand why this is your happy place yes
0: she makes everyone loves her chocolate chip cookies but she makes something called hermits I don't know what is in there I'm not lying to you but that's what I eat I don't give a shit about chocolate chip cookies yeah just give me hermits it's just I don't know I'm gonna have to ask her I'll tell you guys what it is next time yeah it's so good it's like I know there's molasses in there that's all I know oh yeah delicious so I'm disgusting
1: and that's what I do yeah
0: (laughs) they're called hermits Okay. So tell me, what did you think about the past versus present timeline and the differences in their relationship? And did you find yourself more invested in one of the timelines than the other?
1: Um, I loved the past and present timeline. I love how they did it because, well, first of all, I mean, just the past memories provided a ton of context. For sure. I didn't think any of it was unnecessary. It gave context for, like you said earlier, um, both of their unique insecurities based on their family dynamics, um, the context of why this friend group was so important for each of them, right? Um, And then of course, context for their relationship. I also just love this idea, or I'm really drawn to this idea of idealizing the past and having that clouded judgment um, be challenged by the reality of the present. Um, Does that make sense? you kind of, I'm kind of glazed over. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) As I was saying, I'm like, is that, I don't know how to articulate this. I think it is so easy to turn past memories into like the best ofs, right? Okay. So we can edit, we edit our memories, right? All memory is fallible. And sometimes we tend to look into the past and we see kind of the best of situations. Okay. But then when we have to confront our past, like in therapy, we see this all the time. I see people come in, they're like, Oh, I had a great childhood. My parents are fantastic. And then four months in, it's like, oh, my mom didn't pay attention to me. My dad drank a lot, you know, like I think it's really interesting when you have this idealized past, which I think her happy place past memories are idealized in a lot of ways. Okay, yeah. And then she is she is forced to confront that maybe it wasn't all great. Maybe her lack of confrontation, maybe all of the peace within the relationships wasn't sustainable. It wasn't healthy. And actually they do need to be bit more confrontational and not just with her and win but within the whole group Within the group because that came up with sabrina and cleo yeah that sabrina was being super passive aggressive and cleo because she felt like cleo was cutting her out but instead of actually saying something she just kind of made shitty comments yeah and they all came to this resolution of like yeah we're all best friends and our lives are different and we need to be able to talk about that exactly
0: i love the past and present timeline also i i'm trying to think if i found myself more invested into one I mean, I loved the past timeline, the happy place timeline, because I loved reading about them falling in love and finding each other. Uh And as the book progressed, I kept being like, okay, well, what the fuck happens to get them to this You know, quote real life slash dark place. Like what? Where's when's the shoe gonna drop? Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was just like on pins and needles for what is it that's gonna happen. Which even that I have to say, Emily Henry did so well. There
1: was never some big drama. Mm -hmm. There, no one cheated on each other. Although they tried to set it up at first. As if that was the big thing. That's true. We're like, that's just like a red herring. Exactly. There was
0: no big betrayal, which is usually what happens in the book. And then someone's like groveling, apologizing. No, it was so, this was so much more indicative of real life Mm -hmm. and real miscommunication and not understanding each other, which brings me to a question of what do you think about Harriet and Wynn's relationship?
1: I think their relationship is really sweet. I think, their relati- I, I love that their relationship was based on, like, a really strong friendship. Like, yeah, from the rip, it was pretty clear they had, like, the sexual tension. But I loved their banter. I mean, this book made me laugh out loud so many times. They did have such great banter. They had great banter without it being unrelatable. Yeah. Like, the only comparison I could think of would be, like, Gilmore Girls, where I feel like they have great banter, but 75% of the references, I don't understand. Like, people mm-hmm. do not talk that way. Yeah. Um, and I understand it works in the world of Gilmore Girls. I'm not knocking Gilmore Girls, but in this, it was like, oh, I actually know people who talk like that. Yeah, like I remember at one point they were, they were hooking up, and he's like, oh, Harriet, you're so soft, and she just whispers back, like, thanks, I don't work out. Yeah, it's exactly. like, <laughs> like that shit is so funny. Like, it I is. loved, I loved their dynamic, and I think they both have a lot of unresolved stuff, and maybe they kind of enabled unknowingly enabled um, each other to not dive deeper and actually deal with any of it. Yeah. So I think maybe they had to break up to suffer and to be pushed in their suffering to a point of self-discovery and and really like doing the work to get back together. Yeah.
0: I agree with you. I love their banter. I felt like I could so easily envision their relationship Mm -hmm. and I loved it. However, I don't know if I'd be able to get past the way that Wynn broke up with her if I was oh, in that situation. Really? After how many years together? Yeah. And he breaks up with like a 2-minute phone call and the next in the next day or two her stuff has been shipped back
1: to her on her doorstep. Mm-hmm. No communication. Like after yeah. 8 years together? And it was very, pun. the timing of it was very punishing because in the book, she called him because she had gone out with a friend, some friends, a male friend brought her home and he tried to kiss her. Yes. So she immediately called Wynne to be like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. You know, I didn't do anything, but you should know. And then Wynne didn't respond and broke up with her. So it felt very punishing as if he was blaming her. Exactly. Yeah. And I will say
0: as much as I love them, I also just felt like they were both so immature about things and yes, the way that they were raised obviously plays a huge role in that. But at what point, I mean, what they're 30 now, at what point are you going to move on and not use that as an excuse and Mm -hmm. communicate like really when every time you brought up the wedding and she would shut it down, it never occurred to you to say something like, why do you keep shutting me down about the wedding?
1: See, that doesn't bother me because again, I can relate to having such low self-esteem that You already have the story completed in your mind. You're kind of, you have, like, this confirmation bias. So he already believes that he's not good enough and that she's going to leave him eventually. So it's not that he's, like, taken aback by it. It's just like, oh, I know what's happening. But even with the breakup, he never said any of this to her. And
0: I feel like they could have avoided all of this. Mm -hmm. And it could have been a huge revelation in their relationship and a way to work on things together and communicate. Yeah. Obviously. That's not how the book was written. And it does work out the way it's supposed to. But I did feel like they were both really immature. Yeah. Their lack of communication skills is terrifying. And if they don't work on that as a couple, they're not going to make it, even though they love each other. And that's just
1: facts. For sure. I 100% agree. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it really relatable. I mean, I just know, and I'm sure you do, so many couples that when they get together when they're really young, there's, like, this arrested development in their um, emotional maturity not, not all of them. I'm not going to say everyone who's been with their high school sweetheart, you're immature, but a lot of people, there is this arrested development and it's like their emotional immaturity when they're 30 is the same as it was when they got together when they were 18, 19, 20. Exactly. Right? Especially if they have these, um, early childhood experiences that planted these negative core beliefs that they hold. Um, but I, you know, I absolutely agree, which is why I think everyone should be in therapy. Because we're all bringing our shit into relationships and relationships aren't going to fix them. So
0: true. Yeah. Okay, my last question is, do you think you would be able to successfully trick your friends into thinking you are still with an ex?
1: No, I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. Once I break up with someone, it's different if someone breaks up with me. Okay. But in this situation, if I'm Harriet, I was... No, wait, no. Oh, shit. Mm. Okay, so then I have two answers. Okay. If I broke up with them, I have never wanted to like crab walk back into a relationship like okay. usually when I hit that point I'm I have like the ick and yeah. I so like if they touched me I'd be like, Bleh. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there is no fake, violently that. puking in the corner <laughs> when they like put their hand on my waist okay um if they broke up with me oh my god I'd be like an Oscar winning actress <laughs> because I would be proving to that person how much they fucked how up. much they fucked up okay I, oh, love, yeah. it. I uh-huh. love it. I love it yeah, a little slutty me would come out.
0: Ooh, I want to see Slutty Amanda. I never
1: got to see Slutty
0: <laughs> no, Amanda. No, you never met her. You so never met her. Why do we have to meet as like
1: responsible adults? I know. Ugh. Awful. I would love to meet Miami Kayla.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I honestly would too. I would like to bring her back. So sad those days are long gone. I know,
1: I know. Glad we would hate them though. I we know. met our younger selves. It's so true. <laughs>
0: Okay, so tell me. If Wait, i to hear your answer. Oh. Do you think you could successfully? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Next. Time. I have no poker face. That is one of my greatest Yeah, it's true. failures in life. Like, w- how I feel is completely written on my face. <laughs> I have no filter. <laughs> so I would either be like easily, you could tell that I'm like easily heartbroken or mm. angry or just like, don't touch me. Like, you don't get to touch me anymore. Yeah. And I just wouldn't put on a show, I don't think. Yeah. Plus, I have a hard time not... I would have a hard time not telling my friends
1: what oh. was going on. I'd
0: secretly like have to tell them.
1: That's what I would. That's what I really couldn't relate to with Harriet. Like, my friends are in the know. Like, as things are happening, so like as he's on the phone with me breaking up, I would be like <sighs> on their computer, on my computer, be like, "What the fuck is going on?" I think he's breaking up. <laughs> I think he's breaking exactly. up. Exactly. Right this is exactly what he's saying to me. What do you think? Exactly.
0: Exactly. Because the whole we didn't even get into this. The, their friends didn't know, even though it had been months of them broken up, because. Again, they're both so conflict-avoidant that they were just hoping they could basically avoid it. Yeah. Until one day they didn't. They wouldn't be able to anymore.
1: Right. That's crazy. That's crazy pants. Yes. That's insane. Yeah. Wait. You know what we can talk about? Favorite sex scene. <gasps> How dare we? Who are we? Who are we? Have we evolved? <laughs> no. No. Did <it's> anything devolved. <laughs> What was our favorite sex scene? I'll tell you my favorite sex okay, scene. Okay, tell me uh, the one that happens in the outdoor shower. In the outdoor shower, obviously. Oh,
0: I so can't bad. believe it didn't actually go down. I know. Well, he went. He went. He down. went down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really thought it was going to be pee in the V. And I, was like, I know when the fact that they still stopped, I was like, "Are you serious? Like, we're talking about condoms? Oh Just my cool god! Just go get a play. Of like, me. you guys have been together for <laughs> nine years. Like, you stopped taking
1: birth control that quick. I know." <laughs> Your hormone was supposed to be whacked if Agreed. you stop taking it. Agreed. Um, no, I love that. I thought it was, what I really liked about it was, like, this was the first time they both were, like, totally emotionally vulnerable, real, put their cards on the table. She was really open about her emotions. He was really, emo. he was really open about, like, why he broke up with her and his insecurities and all that. So there's kind of this, like, emotional strip down. And then there was the physical strip down <laughs> and I like the parallel. I agree.
0: I'm looking back at the book and things I highlighted. Oh, <laughs> you just, this book, she did such a great job. Yeah. She really did. Like, I'm just, this isn't, a, this is like kind of before sex slash during sex. And I just love this line. He said, When says, everything's different and nothing's changed. I tried so fucking hard to let you go, to let you be happy. And when I see you, I still feel like you're mine and mm. like I'm yours. I got rid of every single piece of you. Like, that would make a difference. Like, I could cut you out of me. And instead, I just see everywhere you're supposed to be.
1: I love that. Oh, my God. I love him. I love when I love Wynn. He Win. just has to go to therapy. Yeah. Which he is. Oh, and he's on wait. medication. Oh, wait.
0: I know what we didn't talk about. That he's clinically depressed, he tells her, and mm-hmm. has been on medication. And I loved that that was in addition to this book because we know it's even more stigmatized for men mm-hmm. and the fact that that was in this book and now he's doing so much better. I, I yeah. just really loved that.
1: And it wasn't like, Oh, I'm depressed because my dad died. So it's, it's acceptable as a man to be depressed. It was like, he even said like, yeah, my dad exacerbated it, but I think I've been depressed my entire life. Exactly. I, oh, thank and you for saying that. It. I yeah. love that. Yeah. So
0: I would say, yeah, in terms of sexiness, Seven, seven. I that's what I was going to say. Sexiness is seven, an appropriate seven. That's how yeah. it should be. Yeah. Romance, the just overall book because it is in the romance category. Mm. I'm going to give it a nine.
1: I was saying that, yeah. Oh, actually,
0: you can give it a nine and a half if that's what you wanted. I was going to go eight and a half. What? But I think I was just being like rebellious. You were being rebellious because you liked this book more I than know, me. I loved
1: it.
0: So I think he I wanted know. to say nine and a half.
1: I really wanted to say ten.
0: Then say ten, Amanda. <laughs> if it did it for you. Yeah, ten. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I loved this book. There you have it. Amanda gives it a ten, I give it yeah. a nine. Yeah. It was really beautiful. Yeah. Well I written. Mean.
1: Yeah. Good job, I, I Emily Henry. Everyone read this book.
0: Okay. So our next podcast, we are finally diving into what is called romanticy, aka romantic fantasy. I didn't know that term until you said it. Yes. So Amanda and I's like first love for all of this is actually fantasy books. Mm-hmm. That's I'm I, I was thinking how when we started our little Thorns and Roses and we were like, Yeah, let's do it in uh, honor of Akatar, and we never even explained what that meant. But we're really into fantasy. So Akatar yeah. was, you know, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass, who is just mm-hmm. like the end all be all. The queen. The queen. So Amanda and I love, love fantasy books. Mm-hmm. Although it's gotta be a romantic fantasy book. Yeah. You know, we yeah. need we need like sex between dragons and between dragons. fays and vampires Have and you all read the things no sex well no just like there's dragons like in fourth Wing, not like with oh dragons. okay you okay. know we just need supernatural powers <laughs>
1: okay i just feel like that needed to be clarified because that we needed to be specifically clarified. said sex between dragons. okay no that doesn't do it for us
0: but if there's dragons peripherally in the book we yes. love it
1: yes give us a... if we pan to a dragon after a sex scene <laughs> I'm here for it. As exactly. Well. <laughs>
0: Give us supernatural. So we're finally gonna get into one of our romantices, and it is what we've both discussed the last two weeks. Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yeros. So, so good.
1: Yeah, this is a big one. It's this one's in, really apparently it's popular on TikTok.
0: Yes, it's apparently popular on book talk. Um book talk, is that what it's that's called? That's what it's called. I, I like know that. all the things we learn. Um, the annoying thing about this is that the next book is not out yet. Yeah, But you should still read it and suffer so along good. with us because then you'll get the opportunity to read it again mm-hmm. when the next book comes out. Yes. So that will be our book. Please remember to email us at eroticallyneuroticpodcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. if you have any book suggestions, book club questions, funny stories, constructive criticism that really <laughs> is just like praise <laughs> because
1: I'm fragile. <laughs> And we will hope to see you guys next time. Sounds great. See you then.
0: Okay. Love you, Amanda. Love you,
1: Kayla. (laughs) We did it.
0: Thank you for being a part of our Erotically Neurotic community. Don't forget to email your book recommendations, book club questions, and or any erotic stories, embarrassing moments, or sexual triumphs you want to share. Email us at erotically neuroticpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at erotically eroticallyneuroticpodcast.
1: Hi there, Amanda here. I think it's worth noting that any and all thoughts shared in these episodes are a reflection of my own personal and constantly evolving opinions and not that of my profession or licensing board. While I am a therapist, I am not your therapist. Therefore, nothing I say in this podcast should be taken as therapy advice or guidance. Thank you so much for being a part of our sexy book club and tune in next week for our next episode.